Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 87 of the Caesar Show. It's your boy, Sir Caesar. I got my co-host right here, Trade Day XXIV. I'm happy you guys are tuning in for another fun-filled episode. It's been a lot of things going on, so uh, we kind of want to get straight to it. But before we get into today's hottest topics, I always like to rehash on last episode. So on episode 86, it was me and your boy Trade Day XXIV, um, and we you know, talked about a couple of different topics that were going on. Uh, so Ben Simmons moving to the power forward, Oladipo potentially returning, uh, Rano's injury, players snitching in the bubble, uh, players not choosing to, players not choosing to wear social justice labels on the back of their jerseys, uh, Russ and uh, Harden testing positive for COVID, and much, much, much more. So I hope you guys enjoyed that episode, and today is going to be another fun-filled episode. Like I said, make sure to subscribe on all forms of social media at The Caesar Show, at Sir Caesars, at Trade XXIV. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for my boy, for my co-host, for that mother- right here, Trade Day XXIV. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 87 of The Caesar Show. I'm going to slow it down a little bit today, you know what I'm saying, talk to y'all real nicely, you know what I'm saying, but yo, thank you for tuning in, man, and I'm ready to get to these topics. What's good with you? Let's do it. Yes, sir. Yes, cool. sir. So there's been a lot of things going on in the NBA, and before we get into the scrimmages um, that have been bringing nothing but joy to myself, and I know um, a lot of people as well, too, uh, what I want to talk about is six God, six man. One of the best players off the bench, in my opinion, Lou Williams. Uh, so Lou Williams is going to be serving a 10-day quarantine and is going to be suspended for, I believe, two games. So um, I think it happened after we released episode 86. So basically, Patrick Beverly, well, Montezaro was first, and it was Patrick Beverly, then Lou Williams. All these guys had to leave the bubble. Um, other people who left the bubble, too, was Zion Williamson. We already heard about that. He came back. He's quarantined for a couple of days. Should be available uh, this upcoming Tuesday as well, too. Um, Austin Rivers left as well, too, only about 20 minutes away from the Orlando bubble as well. But a lot of players left for um, disclosed reasons. So, you know, Lou Williams left. No one really knew what he was doing. And the rapper... Uh, the sensation Jack Harlow, um, apparently uh, he got caught with him Snitch. at, where was he at? He was uh, at a strip club. Was they were at a strip club and wow. I think Atlanta. Um, so it was crazy because. How far is it? Like four hours? That's a, that's, that's a time. That's yeah, a while. That, yeah, that's a while. Um, so basically he was in a photograph uh, with Jack Harlow wearing an NBA mask um, and had a drink in his hand. Um, and, you know, obviously with social media, it went, it went crazy. Jack Harley was the one that posted it, so shame on him. Knowing with everything going on, you know, you're not supposed to do that as well, too. Jack Harlow essentially was like, yo, this was a picture from a long time ago. But then everybody was like, hold the f- up real quick. When you guys got into the bubble, they gave you guys those NBA masks. So that shit was recent. That shit was obviously after the bubble as well, too. So it was crazy because with, with everything going on, um, we did know for a fact that someone did pass away, so it seems to me he did attend a funeral. But what comes with that is, you know, him happen to go to the strip club and whatnot, which, you know, that's I, a six-hour trek. Yeah, you <laughs> you can't blame the guy because at the end of the day, you know, y'all in the bubble, all dude. So yeah, I, I guess he got, he had to you know go off and and see see some women or something like that as well too. But my whole thing was is like, for one hand. I'm going to be a bit biased just because I've been, you know, following the Clippers a lot this year. So I'm like, 
so a lot of people basically, you know, coming at me saying, yo, um, he should essentially be suspended for the entirety of the season, not even playing the postseason. He's putting other people at risk as well, too. But my whole thing is, like, if you're going to go get tested, um, you're going to have to quarantine regardless. So it's not like he really broke anything. But at the same time, you're supposed to be a good example, um, especially when everyone else is abiding by the rules as well, too. So I can kind of see uh, the clash of where everything went. So I think, you know, that's a good punishment enough, the 10 days being isolated, um, which just sucks because it feels like I don't know if that's going to take away from him getting his legs back, the chemistry with the Clippers, them still trying to, you know, battle for that 2C with, with, the, with the Denver Nuggets, who are only two games behind them right now. Um, and like I said, those two extra games as well, too. But what are your thoughts on, um, you know, him being the poster child of, you know, taking the fall um, and basically suffering consequences? Well, um, Lou, show me your titties, Williams. Um, two girlfriends. It's like it's two. Like I'm Lou. But, um... Uh, I just think that, yes, the rules are going to be broken, of course. It's just very interesting that he was caught in Atlanta at the strip club, of all the things. You know what I'm saying? Like, get an Airbnb, bro. At get a, a hotel. Had like, an all matching with an NBA mask. Yeah. And part of that is just like... That wasn't discreet. Clout. Anywhere, anywhere. That was clout. That was clout. It's like, yo, I'm here. What's up, shorties? Like, I'm in the NBA. You were Jack Harlow, who is very probably popping. the most recognizable White dude, and he's, exactly, he's a white currently, rapper, which white people love. Currently, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, so it's just, bro. If you're gonna be bad, be good at it. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's all it is. I mean, I'm not knocking Lou for pulling up the strip club because honestly, I probably pull up the strip club too. But you got, you got to take into consideration the safety of everybody. I know it's probably way other crazier rule breaking going on pretty sure they're probably sneaking people in and stuff like that but it's like bro if you're gonna do it man just be discreet about it and he might have thought that hey i can do this i'm on my like you know i'm going here for this wherever he was going like you said somebody might have passed away or per se and said hey i can go ahead and go out and do this i've already been around people i gotta go back and get tested anyway it's probably how he was feeling so uh for the sake of uh the nba he should be suspended for the rest of the NBA because the Lakers should win the title. No, but... <laughs> oh, no, you're serious. <laughs> but, nah. Keep going, uh, keep going. I'll yeah, be right yeah, back. Yeah, keep yeah, going. yeah. So, he um, he really, really, really should, you know, have his 14-day, 10-day quarantine, uh, be good with uh, the league, and hopefully, you know, they slap him on the wrist and keep it going because he's good for the league and... I don't want to see him sitting out, and they should just tell him don't do it again. And if you're going to get strippers, NBA players, please, please make sure you do it discreetly. That's all. Yeah, and which makes me think, last last episode we were talking about player snitching in the bubble. A lot of people were saying, yo, it was actually Bron <laughs> who definitely snitched, who definitely said, yo, this is what should happen right now. Yeah, yeah. Like, But it just makes me think, it, it's just crazy. Um, and it also makes me think, like, yo, like, what personal reasons was Zion going for? What was Montrez Harrell going for? All strippers. <laughs> All strippers. All strippers. All strippers. Big booty. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Lou, Lou, show me the titties of Williams. On, yeah, Lou, so, show me the titties of Williams, man. <laughs> but, yeah, like I said, like you said, too, you know, it wasn't – obviously, you're supposed to set a good example as well, too. So, I think um, the punishment that he's facing is, is justified. So, um, hopefully – 
Uh, you know, moving forward, no one leaves the bubble and gets caught up. And like They're you said, if, you, if you're going to do something bad, be good at be it. Be good at it, please. So I agree with you. So moving on from that, uh, Pacers Sabonis left the NBA bubble because he um, has to treat a foot injury. So <clears throat> according to ESPN, a.k.a. from Hood Woj, Indiana Pacers all-star forward De- DeMontez Sabonis is leaving the NBA bubble in Orlando, Florida. Florida to receive medical treatment for plantar fasciitis in his left foot. The team announced Friday. Sabonis, who has been attempting to play through the injury, I didn't even know that, hopes to eventually rejoin the team in Orlando, but he could miss the rest of the season, sources told ESPN. And it says here, uh, Sabonis 24 was chosen for his NBA All-Star game this season, his first NBA All-Star game this season. Um, He signed a four-year, $75 million contract extension that will begin at the start of the next season. And this year, he's been pretty damn good. Um, eight and a half points, 12.4 rebounds, and five assists uh, for the season with Indiana as well, too. So major, 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 major blow to the Pacers as well, too. Um, and it sucks because, like I said, the East is wide open. Um, so literally any team, you know, could potentially battle for the throne. Obviously, you know, most people in their eyes, if you look at the stats, if you look at the superstar, you would think it's the Bucks, but a lot of teams, um, you know, can, you know, shock everyone, yeah. especially when it's at a neutral site um, as well, too. So that's a blow. I personally think he shouldn't come back, but if he can't come back and he wants to do it personally, go ahead and do it. Everyone's in, Everyone has their own choices they got to make as well, too. But at the same time, you got to look out for your future. Obviously, you got that contract, but after those four years, you want to re-up again. The salary cap going to keep jumping, so... Be wary of that as well, too, but we get it. You know what I'm saying? It's your passion, so do what you love as well, too. But my question for you is, obviously, you already know this is going to be a blow, but with how basically the past couple of weeks we've had the back and forth with Victor Oladipo, with him, you know, first being a little worried about everything, obviously, he played um, in that preseason uh, opener as well, too. Do you think that he, knowing that another, obviously, Victor Oladipo, Oladipo's an all-star caliber player. Do you think that Oladipo should consider sitting out as well, too, um, and actually not coming back? Yeah, I think if you like a lower power, um, and I mean, it, it would be, I mean, they're, they're in playoff contention, so he would at least get one series in. But um, no, I think you protect your assets, man, your assets for NBA player being you currently. Uh, yeah, for Victor Oladipo, come back when it's a little bit more structure to everything and, you know, it's really game time for real because we kind of see, like, a player, like, I mean, kind of similar injuries and that there were legs, but, uh, you know, Andre Robinson with the with the OKC, mm. him coming back and, you know, performing pretty well. He just, you know, hit some threes. He's a, a defensive player and stuff like that. But it's a testament to taking your time coming back. And I think – Victor Oladipo has served his time in a way, but right now, is there any really real reason to go out and test it? Your team's kind of lagging with some of your uh, with Sabonis going down. You're not full strength. I think you can get out there, maybe play in some scrimmage games if you want to, but at the same time, I don't think there's a need for him to play right now. It's yeah. it's a long term thing. And it's like if you lose, you already lost Sabonis. If you if God forbid, knock on wood, if Victor I think management should sit him down. Yeah, if yeah. Victor, yeah, yeah, you're right. And if Victor Oladipo go down as well too, gets injured, 
that's your franchise right there. Yeah. Obviously, you got Malcolm Brogdon and and Evan Turner and um, I forgot homie's name who got a beef with Jimmy Butler and TJ Warren. Yeah, is he um, is he a free agent coming up soon? Who? Uh, Oladipo. I think he has one more year left on his contract. Well, even even if he's not like, and if you know, you kind of have an understanding where he uh his head at for re-signing or maybe going somewhere else. You still have to protect that asset as an organization, and then Old Depot, you have to protect yourself because you that's your money. You know what I'm saying? So I think for both sides, it would be good for them to sit, relax. We know what kind of player Old Depot is when he's extremely healthy and in a year or so either gonna you know be big money for the Pacers or you're gonna be you know asset for another team in a trade in a trade bait so I think for both parties it's good if he just sits out and doesn't hurt himself any further not saying he will but you know be safe play it safe yeah so it's kind of funny that you know a lot of players when they got in the bubble they had a quarantine for like 48 hours and they were just getting these skimp ass you know meals and whatnot and <laughs> a lot of people you know made jokes of what they were eating and my whole thing was like bruh y'all ain't always have this shit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so there's multiple people in the united states and third world countries who are literally starving so just be grateful for what you have so that's where i was coming from as well too but I really haven't heard any complaints like that. It seems to me like life in the bubble is pretty damn good. I guess now that, you know, they can play obviously play basketball as well, too. The season coming up, things make it better. But I've seen so many videos of players fishing, players going through water slides, players golfing, players playing volleyball. Uh, they even built a barbershop within yeah. less than 24 hours as well, too, which is dope as well, too. Yeah. So... It seems to me life Katie. in the bubble is going 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 pretty good. Would you agree? Um, yeah, bro. I think it's one of those things where it's like first world problems in a way, you know. And granted, you know they are away from their families. And I think Adam Silver being a very progressive and understanding, and just because of where we are in a time, place, period, and culture, he has to listen to the players and have a clear form of communication because their players do have more powers now. So it's like, I don't think Adam Silver in his right mind would have set up this kind of thing and not had, you know, the amenities and the the different activities and stuff for them to be comfortable and, you know, understand how NBA players would live and maybe want to live for a three-month period. Yeah. Uh, and you're asking people to come away from their families and do such. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's dope. And I think I heard a story where, like, Kimba uh, Walker was talking about, oh, yo, like, you know, we're just walking down. Yo, we seen LeBron. You know, we seen LeBron. It's like, you know, you don't really think about that kind of stuff. It's like, because, you know, these are, LeBron is Kimba's OG, but you don't, Think about, you know, other than playing them, how much they get to see and interact with, you know, these maybe large in life figures, these other superstars on the team. I mean, maybe your boys would, but how how much of a communal thing it is when you just, you know, Kimba's around LeBron or, you know, players that you look up to get to see the other players you look up to and you're all in the same space and when you're not playing and you're not practicing. So uh, I think, you know, from, from what I've heard about, you know, life in the bubble thus far, it's just, it hasn't been anything crazy or, or, or detrimental has been, you know, fun. They've the NBA, kudos to them for setting up the right way and, you know, keeping their in a way their employees and their their biggest asset, their strongest asset, which is the players happy, safe and, you know, engaged. Yeah, another thing that, you know, Kimba Walker was talking about as well too with and and, and it kind of brings me back to the last dance with Michael Jordan. Like 
a lot of these players, you know, once they leave the facility or their homes or whatever, they're under such a, you know, big microscope, you can't really, you know, afford to fuck up essentially as well too. You know, a lot of people are always, you're, you're basically a public figure now, so you, you can't really escape the mask. So yeah. it's pretty cool now that only essential personnel is there so they can walk freely and, and just, and just, and just feel that, feel that ease for a little bit as well of too. Course. So that's pretty dope. Um, kind of taking a step backward, but going to go forward as well too. Just got brought to my attention um, that the New York Knicks and Tom Thibodeau um, have finalized a five-year deal to make him the franchise next head coach as well, too. Um, I think it's a you know pretty solid pickup. Not the best, not the worst. Solid pickup. Um, so Thibodeau uh, is 11th career in winning percentages for coaches with 500 or more games. Um, he has a 352 and 246, um, so 59% record in eight seasons with Chicago and Minnesota. Um, as well, too, we know with Thibodeau, you're going to get someone that pushes you, someone who's going to harp on you, someone who's going to, you know, essentially put you in places to be successful as well, too. So I like the hiring of it, but just because that's a good hiring doesn't mean it's going to work out. Now, if we look at the past with New York Knicks, they're known to sign these massive deals for coaches and and basically still have them on payroll and fire them. Mm -hmm. Um, So... David Fisdale, literally, I don't know Still why they getting, fired him. Getting paid. Four-year contract, only served two years, getting paid. Jeff Hornacek, three-year contract, only lasted two seasons. Derek Fisher, five-year contract, only lasted two seasons. Mike Woodson, back mellow days, mm-hmm. three-year contract, only lasted two seasons. It's kind of funny that Mike D'Antoni was the only person who actually lasted as long as the contract was four actually. years, right? Yeah. It's kind of sicko um, I mean, as well, too. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I think my biggest thing with this whole thing is it really comes down from it, – it's a top-down type of situation where, all right, James Dolan, we know your track record with everything. Are you going to put Thibodeau in a good position? Are you going to work with your GM to actually – scout and do everything possible to put the right pieces around Tom Thibodeau to be successful because if you don't have those moving pieces then what is he at what is he there for yeah. you know what I'm saying um so what are your thoughts on Thibodeau being the coach do you think he's gonna defy the odds and actually you know be there for five years or you think he's gonna be a little test trial and if things don't work out in one or two years um, you know, the owner's going to be a little bit impulsive and just say you're fired on some Vince McMahon shit. Um, I think with uh, this, and I, it's anyone, anything when I see come to the Knicks and, you know, you hear rumors like, hey, uh, it will be great for the league if the, you know, the Knicks were a good team again in the center there. I think Timodo has the, the grit and the grind to make it happen, you know. Uh, he's one of those coaches you bring in to help – change a culture, change a franchise, you know. He, he looks like he'll, he'll lay the groundwork for it, at least. Um, but the biggest problem, similar to my argument when I say with the with the Wizards, which it, it does seem like the Wizards might be taking a turn for the better with some of their pickups and stuff like that, but it's still in the foundation of it. And when I say the foundation, it's New York Knicks management staff in general, you know, the management, maybe... 
who's doing the calling the big shots and stuff. It seems like they're uh, disconnected. Um, you know, we it still brings me back to the situation with Spike Lee. You know, where who who is a diehard fan of yours through good and bad. It was there every time you guys had the nerve to, like, you know, throw him out. It seems like they're disconnected from that standpoint. So it's like there might be a lot of dominoes to have to fall before you even get to, like, being good mm-hmm. on the basketball court again. You know, you have to accommodate this. You have to restructure this. You have to – and I, I think whoever's up top calling the shots to take a step back, get somebody that actually maybe understands – the scape of the league and is current and up to date and it's been good. If I was them, I would throw the dude from Toronto a bag. But did he sign again with them? Uh, Yuri? The, oh, besides Yuri? Yeah. Oh, he, he's locked into Toronto, bro. He's locked into Toronto. Hella oh, aggressive. Well, well that's, that's what I'm saying, bro. Like, somebody like him. and they, they and try, I think they try to get him. Yeah. Them and the Wizards are actually trying to get Masai yeah. Jerry. Yeah, somebody like him, you have to you, you have to like, you know, track his phone, figure out, yo, you have any friends, you know? <laughs> so you talk to the girl, you know what I'm saying? She's taking like you gotta find a sister, what's up? <laughs> so it's you have to find somebody esque of him. But because whatever you're doing for these last decade or so, it hasn't been pretty. And you again it's from the foundation up. So I think them getting typical was cool, but if there's nothing, if there's no base for him to stand on, will it work out? Only time will tell. And if we look at history, it's not in his favor. Yeah. Other than him getting paid for years, other than when he's not coaching them. Yeah. I mean, either way, he's like, yo, this is a win-win for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So um, hopefully things pan out. And yeah. it's looking like to me, the Knicks are probably going to get, uh, what's his name? LaMelo Ball, so Tibbs, you've seen the track record with D. Rose when you have a franchise point guard. Take care of that young boy's body because he should be playing for at least 15 years in the league. Moving on from that, um, scrimmages started, and uh, the NBA courts, man, um, they're pretty pretty interesting, uh, to say the least, as well. So... um, there's, it seems to me, I don't really know yet. I remember they had talks of having, um, so if it's a home game, they would essentially like change the courts a little bit. But mm-hmm. I feel like it's going to stay like this for a while. I really like uh, it. I like it. You know, I got a big ass Black Lives Matter sign right there. Um, and I like how players are spaced out because um, normally on the bench, everyone's bunched up. So they're trying to practice social distancing as well, too. Set a good example. Um, you got some new camera angles there as well, too. And it's pretty cool. So where they keep scores, uh, where the refs go to communicate with replays on checking on plays and whatnot, they got a, like a whole little glass um, there as well too to protect everyone. But how you feel? Oh, and then another thing as well too is like we talked about this actually months ago. We're like, mm-hmm. yo, like if there's no fans there, are they gonna have like a simulated crowd noise and whatnot? Mm-hmm. So they kind of have like teams chants and then. They have like a little fake crowd noise, and then I think they actually put microphones underneath the court, oh, um, so you can hear like the, the 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 squeaking of the shoes and players moving around and whatnot as well too. But how do you feel about everything um, with what they've done with the court and whatnot? Um, I think for again them kind of salvaging the season and everything like that. I think we talked about. I, I think I brought this up a while back too. It's like you can be creative. This is your your canvas to be creative. You know, nothing's. It's, in a way set in stone so you can move pieces around as you will 
within the structure of basketball and, you know, the platform that you have. And I, I think they're doing very well, you know, a multi-billion dollar, million dollar industry from day in and day out. You have to appeal to fans. You have to, uh, you know, keep people engaged when people are, you know, consuming this from home. And I think right now we're definitely riding the uh, basketball's back wave. Like, we're just excited about that. But just to watch it, just to see how it is, the depth, the camera angles, the presentation, um, that's all been been very up to par, if not above it. You know, like the games that I have caught, you know, in real time, have been like, all right, this is this is nice. It's all right. And there's scrimmages, so, you know, it's not full-on super intense. But just what I'm watching, I think they're going in a great direction. Uh, you know, you see <laughs> on the side, you see people. It's not, it's not the fans anymore. But even like consuming like the NBA from your house anyway, you know, you're not gonna see all the fans all the time. You will maybe go back and watch it and see everybody erupt, or you know, you see the players talking to fans and talking with fans and stuff like that. But the main angle is on the court, and they're they're doing well with this. Uh, so even in the future. It's something you can look back at and say, all right, we can package this like this. It's all content. It's all marketing. It's all, you know, pro- progressing your league through difficult times. Uh, and I think they're doing pretty well with it. So shout out to the commissioner. Shout out to everybody that's involved in making this thing work. Um, again, my thing, is, my thing is as long as people are safe and healthy, let it roll, you know. So this is dope. For sure, for sure. So, uh, like we said, with the scrimmages, uh, there's been it's been pretty fun to watch. To be honest, I mean, you can tell players are knocking off the rust. I mean, it's been over three months as well, too, and they're trying to mix and match lineups to see what's going to be uh, sufficient enough to you know finish these last eight regular season games and get ready for the playoffs as well, too. But I've been enjoying every bit of it. Like I said last week, uh, we talked about you know, Brett Brown moving Ben Simmons to, you know, the power forward position. So we got to see um, the 76ers new look position where they had Shake Milton at point, Josh Richardson at the two. Um, then he also had Tobias at the three, Ben Simmons at the four, and Embiid at the five as well too. So um, it seems like, you know, what we talked about and what Brett Brown addressed um, was pretty spot on um, as well too. And like we said, we saw the video of Ben Simmons taking those shots, we're saying, yo, you're like the boy who cried wolf. You're going to have to show me um, as opposed to just talking. Uh, So he actually attempted two threes, um, Mm -hmm. two corner threes. And uh, first one, he looked a little hesitant. But once he got to the second one, he hit a corner three. So it seems like, you know, being in a bubble, having his time off, not, not, you know, fans not being there, he actually gets to uh, come into his own as well, too. Express yourself. And... And I like I like the starting lineup, man. Uh, defensively, they look very versatile. Um, and with Ben Simmons at the point guard now, the the fast break, the pick and rolls are more deadly. You know, he's still doing everything he's been doing. But yeah. I like Philly so far. I, I like him a, a lot so far. What are your thoughts on Ben Simmons and the new look uh, starting five line? I know it's a small sample size, but what are your thoughts on everything? Uh, remember my dark horse a few weeks ago? I said oh, yeah. Sixers. I said Sixers. That bread from you. Uh, yeah, bro. What? I said Sixers. So we'll see if that ages well. That's all I got to say, honestly. Um, I think Ben Simmons shooting is good for literally the game of basketball because <laughs> it makes Philly much more of a contender, bro. Like, yo, like, 
this is exciting. It, like that lob to Tobias Harris, like it makes him the complete like franchise prolific player that he should be. You know, uh, three cash. Uh, you know, like <laughs> you're left-handed, bro. Bro, being left-handed, I can tell you that even shots that look disgustingly ugly, she's gonna fall. <laughs> you know, like that's just the luck, luck of the lefty. It's just it happens, bro. And then when you do start doing it consistently and with uh, some confidence, it's gonna work out, bro. And it just expands the floor. It widens the floor for a team that has a Joel Embiid that has a Tobias Harris, you know, Swiss Army knife, and and all of his other assets. So. Bro, I'm excited for him to be shooting. I think it's great. I think it'll lead to more, better, tougher matchups. And, um, you know, maybe even coming down, if if and when they do get to the finals, a, a stronger showing from the East. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, you know, staying on the Philly topic as well, too, um, apparently Joel Embiid has uh, a cat. <clears throat> Excuse me has a calf issue right now. Um, so I think he should be good to go for this for the season reset, resume, or whatever you want to call it. But Joel Embiid does have a track record of, you know, being injured as well, too. Do you think this is going to be a concern moving forward? Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Joel Embiid injury going forward. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so. I think... <sighs> I think it would be the Knicks and Nags of the games, but I don't think it's going to keep them out for a very long time. That That's just my take on it. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I hope so, man, because yeah. they're only – I mean, what seed are they at right now? They're the, yeah. they're the sixth seed right now. Mm-hmm. So if Philly has to play against the Boston Celtics without an Embiid, they're getting knocked out the first round, yeah. first and foremost. Because <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the Achilles heel for Boston is their size. So if he can't play, I mean Al Horford, you know, if, if anyone is going to play well against the the, the Celtics, it's going to be Al Horford. That's his old team. But yeah. if if he's not healthy, then it's going to be a wrap as well too. Um, some more things that I was impressed about uh, as well too, you know, with yeah, with with the what's with the going preseason. on with Scotty Pimpin's hair? Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's right. I'm he 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 just going through it right now, but um. Who I was impressed with was Denver. First and foremost, Denver Nuggets, the past two scrimmages, they've ran a very, very big lineup. They had Jokic at the point, and then they had Jeremy Grant, Plumlee, Mills, having Boy Boy. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that. Boy Boy, Boy Boy, Boy Boy. Uh, as, a starting, as a starting five, which is crazy. But mm-hmm. what impressed me the most was like I, is, is seeing Jokic slim down um, as well, too. I want to see how that's going to – be in the regular in the in the last eight seasons. I mean, last eight games, and then in the postseason as well too. Mm-hmm. How he's going to match up with other bigs, but he's so versatile. So I don't think it should be a problem at all. This is um, dope, Seems bro. like he put on muscle. But what I'm more impressed about is Bobo, son. <laughs> um, first and foremost, he should not even have been a late second round pick. So a diamond in the rough that they found again. First was Michael Porter. Now it's him as well too. And first game against the Wizards, he had 16 points. 10 rebounds and six blocks. And then last night against the Pelicans, he had 15 points, three assists, three rebounds, two blocks, and I think one steal as well, too. Um, 
And it's crazy. I don't really think he played. Uh, not to my knowledge, if he, if he did play, it must have been like garbage minutes. But yeah. I don't recall him playing like that. Um, you know, before the season uh, got shut down as well too. Uh, but he looks. He got raw talent, man. He can basically do everything as well too. Would you even say this is like raw talent? This is something we haven't really seen in a while. From he plays like a three. Like like a, a full on three, you know. I don't see him making any crazy like in in half court uh, assist and like you know playmaking uh, moves and stuff like that. But like from the break, he's definitely a threat to distribute the ball and just to take the ball all the way down or to shoot a long range three, which is ridiculous. Like this this dude is. <laughs> He's something different, bro. He, he he jumps a little bit and he's at the rim. He, I mean, if if he's jumping at all, he puts his arms up and he's at the rim. It's something you're really gonna have to take an account for. I think it's a big like, it's a flex of weaponry in a way. You know, looking at the Lakers, uh, you know, saying, "Oh, you guys got a big lineup with the best player that's played the game," and you know, AD, that's top three or four right now. So it's like, yo, you know, we got something for y'all too. I think, you know, when it becomes a more physical playoff game with reps and stuff, that they will he, – he might struggle with the physicality, you know, because that'll be an a, a, AD bumping him around or it'll be a LeBron James quickness and toughness going at him and stuff like that, if, if that comes down to that. But dude looks – incredible bro like it's just some stuff you haven't seen before him blocking JJ Reddick's shot <laughs> like who does that bro and JJ Reddick's been shooting in the NBA for a long time he doesn't get a shot blocked often um and and shooting threes at will I just I he's he's been phenomenal to watch it's been really exciting so uh, we'll we'll see how this develops we'll see how far Again, the raw talent can take him and Denver. And like, he can run point too. That's what I'm saying. Like in, in a transition, like he's a solid playmaker. It, yeah. And just at, at that frame and size, it makes it easy to make plays. And then Jokic is, is just having a freaking field day. It's like, yo, you guys want to guard me? Cool. If not, the dude's going to run off and make a play or, you know, throwing the ball behind his back to Bobo and Bobo reverse dunking it and not even trying. Like, it's a new world over there, so it'll it'll be dope to keep watching this team and see how far they get in the playoffs with this lineup. And a couple things I want to ask you. First and foremost, isn't that shit sick? So after the first game against the Spurs, apparently mm-hmm. the next day he got drug tested. Yeah, I mean, we saw that I coming. I want to drug test him. Like, yo, you, you look at him. Said, look at him. <laughs> look He's at him. seven foot look, two, seven foot one. Like, it's a scrimmage too. Like, come on, man. I hate when they do that. Yeah, what about drugs is going to do that, bro? If I'm 7'2", I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah. like, like, And again, back to your raw talent. Like, we, It takes talent to just hit these moves and shots and stuff like that and understand, you know, floor spacing and stuff. Like, it's knowledge, IQ, talent. But literally, bro, he plays like, and this is not a disrespectful thing, but it's like, yo, if you were 7'2", how would you play basketball? Yeah. You would play like him. Yeah. You know? like He's like, yo, I'm 7'2". Let me go hoop real quick. So... It's it's exciting to watch. We have again, we haven't seen anything like it. So it, it it'll be fun in today's game and in the bubble as things go on. Now, obviously, uh, with their coach, you know, they, they, it seems to me they just want to test a lot of things out. And like I said, he didn't really play um, that much, if at all, uh, yeah. in the regular season. Do you 
Do you think this is going to be something where, obviously, like, they want to compete for a title. They they think they're just as good as anybody. Like I said, they're only two games behind the Clippers for the second seat, for the second seat right now. Do you see him playing the la- playing pretty good minutes um, in the regular season and also in the playoffs as well, too? Or you think they're going to kind of, you know, dial it down a little bit? Mm, I can see him. I'll play him. Uh, play him, yeah. Play him. Like, like, what do you he wants lose? to play. Yeah. He wants to play. He like, he's going to go hard. <laughs> like, I don't think he's going to take no for answer. Mm. Yeah. Like, they're becoming like the new Spurs, bro, where they're going to be able to compete, you know, every single year, 50, 50 plus one team every single year as well, too. And it's going to be kind of scary because I always used to think, like, yeah. when it's all said and done, I think their best player is going to end up being Michael Porter. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still very high on him, but it and it might end up being Bobo. Bro, they still got Michael Porter on the bench. So I'm bro. saying, imagine in a couple of years when everyone's at their peak, if you want to say, you got Jamal Murray, you got Gary Neal, um, and Gary Harris. I'm sorry, you got Bobo, you got Michael Porter, you got Jokic. Yeah, like that's a deadly starting five right there. Yeah, you gotta just. You got to take care of them from a management standpoint. You got to make sure they're good. You got to make sure they get the money that they want and so on and so forth and talk about, you know, the long term with them as far as like, hey, if we don't get you right here, we're definitely going to get you right. Come in the brown stretch, sign this deal. Let's compete for a championship this year. Re-up soon, you know, just retaining the players. You have a clear, and I wouldn't say like early like OKC, James Harden, KD, and um, Russell Westbrook, but you have, you know, once in a lifetime talents. It seems, yeah. and you know, you see it already. So, bro, don't fumble the bag. <laughs> don't fumble that bag. Yeah, don't fumble that bag at all. But looking at their management, their, their the system they have, the coach, everything. I think I think they're good to go. Bro, the the management's going crazy from the recruiting. Uh, Maybe in a small market, the talent recruiting on that uh, on that staff is ridiculous, bro. Just picking who they picked. Even through injury, you know, Michael Porter, injury, Bull Bull, injury, um, and, and, and building team that they have been building, they're, they're solid, bro. It's solid. It's good decisions, and it's paying off right now. I agree with you. I agree with you as well. Um, so it was great to see, for the most part, obviously Trevor Reza uh, couldn't travel with Portland Trailblazers, and obviously Rodney Hood is still recovering from Achilles injury. But it was great to see – Portland damn near, you know, back at full strength with Nurk and, and Zach Collins coming back. Um, they both got to play against the Indiana Pacers, uh, I think, the first or sec- the first day or second day the NBA came back as well, too. So, yeah. um, well, scrimmages came back. I'm sorry. So, uh, yeah, Nurk had 14 points, eight rebounds. Zach Collins added in six points and three rebounds as well, too. Yeah. Um, so, I like it. Um, like we said, we already know the Pelicans have the easiest schedule right now, but I feel like Portland, you know, it seems to me that they really want this. So it's literally on them if they, if they're going to get the eighth seed or not, I really want them to, because looking at everything, man, it seems to me the Lakers are still trying to figure out their backcourt situation as far as who's gonna who's gonna be in the rotation. Mm-hmm. And obviously the biggest thing that the Lakers have, obviously, aside from LeBron and AD, is their size. Right with Kuz, with LeBron, with Dwight, with JaVel, with AD, with like I said, all these players we mentioned. Portland kind of got good, some size as well, too. So I think that would actually be a great 
matchup as well. And we got Slim Mellow now. I uh-huh. love Slim Mellow. No headband. That's crazy. He looks really good. Nurk but, uh, really good. yeah, so, yeah, what are your thoughts on Nurk in, in, in Portland? I mean, we talked about Portland the other these past couple episodes, to be honest. But what are your thoughts on them? I think Nurk uh, still getting back into his rhythm. But he looks like he's been going at it, uh, really been in his bag with some stuff. Great big man back to the basket moves, the spacing, uh, you know, getting them in the pick and roll, the 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 elbow to to low post kind of area, really making his presence felt. Um, I haven't seen much of his defensive highlights, but I know he's a presence in there as well. Um, and again, you got you, again, you go skinny mellow, you go McCullum, you go Dame, and and when it comes up to them. Maybe matching up with the Lakers. What's the Lakers? Uh, not Achilles' heel, but what's their weak point right now? What's their perimeter play? Yep. And you know, you take Dame, a once in a lifetime player, and uh, CJ McCollum that will get going and will torch you both of them anytime. And then you know, it's it's strength against weakness, strength against weakness, and you really don't, not don't know what you're gonna get, but it evens the playing field a lot more, it, it, and it, it goes from. Not a true one eight matchup like you've been saying these past few weeks. It goes to, yo, like this scary, and the Lakers are gonna have to work for you know work for their for their chance to compete for a title. Now you know we'll see the greatness of LeBron James and AD on full display here, and we'll see you know who can come up. We'll see the pickups of Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith have to pay off in this series if we do see the series, but. It's it's been dope, bro. I mean, again, Nurk is coming back. Uh, you know what you're gonna get from Dame. They're they're becoming a complete team before our eyes, and just you know, redefining their weapons coming down the stretch for playoff time if they can make it there. Yep, just need to be four games behind the eight seed. So I honestly, you know, in in all honesty, I don't see Memphis mm-hmm. going to the playoffs. Like, yeah. It sucks, but I don't see him going to the playoffs. But we'll we'll continue to see everything as well too. Um, so as far as superstars go, uh, LeBron, AD, Lakers um, look great. Honestly, it seems to me like out of all the teams, they haven't really missed a step. It seems like the chemistry is is there. Like I said, the only thing they really have to figure out is how to figure out that uh, you know. The handing out of the minutes uh, for the guards because there's no Rondo right now, and Avery Bradley didn't come back as well too. So it's going to be real interesting to see who they can mix and match. But it was great to see uh, J.R. Smith out there as well too, and it was nice to see Deion Waiters, bro. Deion was really good. Deion I mean, Waiters gets street ball buckets. But he man. was really good. He gets buckets, man. Mm-hmm. Um, who do you see between those two? Uh, actually, you know playing the most minutes or giving the Lakers the best shot, uh, you know, when LeBron goes out of the game and, you know, they need someone to keep them afloat offensively as far as getting everyone in the right positions and really running the show. If you're talking offensively, I'd have to go Deion Waiters, um, I think. Now, do you think he would become too isocentric and, you know, kind of forget what his other his duties are? Uh, She's tough. When, when, you're, when you're playing – here, I don't think you can because from a from a coaching standpoint, you have to insert him as such. It's like, yo, you know, our first option here is going to be Dion. You know, Dion, if you can't get the bucket, then let's run the set. But if not, 
when you're in, be very aggressive and do what you have to do. You know, and you'll have J.R. Smith out there so you can kick it to him. You know he's good for it. Uh, you see some of his uh, his vision and stuff like that. I think that vision was in a, a set. But, yeah, I, I'd rely on Dion a lot. He's a veteran. He knows how to score the ball, which looks pretty effortlessly. Uh, and even J.R. Smith, you know, you see his, his – his, was that his first points in, like, two years or, like, a year and a half or so? So, nah, I think their pickups have been really cool, uh, good for the team for, you know, what they could salvage. And you, you lean on Deion Waiters, J.R. Smith's added plus with his defense, and that's going to – I think that's going to be the biggest telltale sign. I think offense will take care of itself. But from a defensive standpoint, you have to have a stop guy in that second unit somehow, some way, because they will they will play chess and Mitch and match with you coming in the playoffs and, you know, adjustment-wise. But they're two solid pickups. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right as well, too. And then uh, Anthony Davis, actually, his second game, um, or scrimmage, rather, against the, against the Magic, he only played about nine minutes. Um, he had a eye injury. I think he got poked in the eye. Okay. Now, AD... For the most part, plays pretty well, um, but it always seems to me he always has these knick-knack injuries as well too. Do you think it's going to be something where, not necessarily the eye injury, but you know, just watching this season and, and pass, you know, he seems a little bit clumsy. Yeah. Seems like he always hurting his finger, his shoulder, or something is always coming up. Do you think that's going to take away from the Lakers getting to where they need to get to? I don't believe so. I think that <laughs> I, I mean I'm always you know glass half full person so. Do your best, stay uninjured, and keep competing. I think it'll be fine. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And we will take a break real quick. And we're back from a quick little break. Um, so, yeah, what I want to uh, bring up next is uh, Russell Westbrook and James Harden. Um, you know, obviously, they both got tested positive for COVID, so everyone was a little concerned as well, too, because with COVID, we really don't know – it really anything about this, you know, this virus. Um, it's still in its infant infant stages, and it affects a lot of people differently as well, too. So mm -hmm. the biggest thing is like, yo, is it going to have a long term effect on not only just them, but just players in general moving forward as well, too? So that was something that uh, you know, a couple people were nervous about um, as well, too. But it seems to me, Russ and Harden didn't really lose a step. Um, you know, Russ. You know, had 10 and 9 um, in limited minutes. Harden had 24 and 10 um, in limited minutes as well, too. So kind of picked off from where they left off at. So um, I think it's – I think, you know, they're going to – they're going to do well to finish off the season, and we'll see what seedings they end off at as well, too. But my biggest, I guess, question for you is, who do you think is more important to their success of, you know, getting to where they need to get to, whether they be the conference finals or ultimately getting to the uh, NBA finals? Do you think it's Russell Westbrook or do you think it's James Harden? Um, I'm going to go with Russell Westbrook. Okay. Um, he's the new factor. We've seen kind of this experiment with James Harden before, and for whatever you know reason, for the different factors, um, it's it's got to a stand. So he is the new um, independent variable in this. You throw him in. Uh, James Harden is the consistent, the deep in the variable. Uh, so we just have to 
throw him in there. We have to rely on his scoring prowess. We have to rely that he, you know, will be clutch and free up James Harden to do even more stuff and not be such a focal point on on defense. I mean, on on the offensive end and uh, you know, in their style of, of basketball, you know, move the ball around, get a shot up quick. Let's keep it going. Let's push the pace. A healthy Brody is gonna, you know in that room when they like, all right, we need to go get trade for Brody. He was the enticing part. Healthy. He can get us over the hump. They played together before and we have a prolific scorer with the prolific literally point guard, scoring guard, hybrid of a, you know, beast. And I, I think he he's he's the person that gets them over the edge. James Harden's gonna be consistent regardless. But I think him pushing the rock and him doing what he has to do, if they, you know, kind of try to come and collapse down on him, which is hard to do, kick it to James and boom, you pick your poison. So Well, it's crazy because you say Westbrook, I say Harden because I believe a Westbrook, regardless, we already know exactly what he's gonna do. Okay. He's one of those players where he gives it 110% mm-hmm. every single night, wears his heart on his sleeve, and, yeah, we know what he's going to do. Now, with James Harden, I think for him, I mean, both of them post-OKC yeah. haven't really got that success that they were looking for, and I feel like they're two of the players that probably get the, the most of the bashes yeah. where it comes from your playoff performance. But I'm more concerned about James Harden. You know what I'm saying? The biggest knock on Harden was he folds under pressure in the playoffs, and then also he does so much for his team in the regular season that that when the regular when the postseason rolls around, he basically doesn't have that much juice left. Now with three months off, you got your two weeks of you know pre- planning and going through practices. You got your three scrimmage games and then eight regular season games. You would think his legs are fresher, so. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious to see what he's gonna what he's gonna do right. as well too because like I said you already know you're gonna get at Russell Westbrook. Now what is it gonna be? Okay. So I understand that's it. Um, if both of them hoop, they they could they could win a chip. Ah. But the biggest thing for me is their size. I'm yeah. still worried about their size, and I feel like it's a miss or make type of situation. You live by the three, die by the three. So if it, their shots don't fall and they ain't boxing people out, they're they might take an L. They're, they're undersized in a conference that's only getting bigger, it seems. <laughs> we, we just talked about Bowl Bowl and their kids shooting threes. So it's like, you know, it, it, it goes into the fact it's like maybe you don't have to undersize to get a faster offense going, you know? Mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll see if the philosophy works. And honestly, this is kind of one of those things we've been looking at over and over again. And to be completely honest, it hasn't worked. Mm-hmm. You know, it let's play, play faster, let's get a lot of shots, let's score a lot of points. Well, you're not scoring a lot of points. You sh- look, definitely from a perimeter standpoint. We'll see what happens. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it with everything that's going on. So, like I said, pr- the scrimmages are more so just to get a feel for, you know, playing against players other than yourself, other than your team, and um, trying to mix and match lineups, knock yeah. the rust off, and you know just get ready for this long stretch. So um, we're going to continue to monitor and see how everything goes, and um, we're going to be excited moving forward. So uh, let's let's play a little guessing game as well <laughs> too. So the regular season resumes 
Um, it's supposed to be on my birthday, but it's actually going to be the 30th on Thursday uh, as well, too. So um, there's going to be two games being played as well, too. Uh, I want to hear your picks on okay. who you think is going to win. Uh, so we can just pull this up real quick. NBA schedule. All right. So Utah is playing New Orleans Pelicans at 630. Who you got winning and why? You turn. It's crazy because even when you go into it, and the NBA is so funny with their narrative. So obviously, this is what they're going to talk about. The Pelicans having an easier schedule. Zion, um, you know, he's the next one up. Let's see what he can do with these eight games to get his his team in position that goes well too. Because there was a poll um, on ESPN. I think they voted the Pelicans as having the best starting five lineup, which is mm-hmm. kind of crazy, but it makes sense in a way as well too. And then obviously with how the NBA has stopped because of Rudy Gobert was a domino effect. They're going to bring all that shit up. So it's going to be very interesting uh, from a commentating standpoint to see what they talk about yeah. as well, too. And it's TNT, so it's going to be good to see the boys back and whatnot. But That's wild. Who, it's yeah. crazy. Who you got, who you got winning? Um, I'll go Pels. Pels? Yeah. 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 I'm going to say Pels, too, um, because they should be fully healthy. And I think Utah lost, uh, what's his name? I think they lost Bogdanovich. Mm. Um, I want to say he either injured his foot or he injured his his shoulder. I can't really remember, but he's going to be out. So if they don't have him, then I don't, I don't really see them uh, winning that night as well, too. And I just feel like the Pelicans – they just on a mission. Like I said, they got the easiest schedule, so they're gonna they're gonna start everything. They they, they know what they gotta play for, essentially. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So Utah's in a good spot. Right now they're the fourth seed. Um they can look to push to get as high as the two, but the Pelicans are gonna want it more at the end of the day as well, too. So I agree with you. Next game is gonna be the Lakers, uh first the Clippers. So we finally get our uh, part four now. Um, obviously, the Clippers uh, one open at night, one on Christmas, and then that last weekend before the NBA season, uh, you know, got shut down. LeBron, uh, you know, took care of business and, you know, beat Giannis, and then he beat Kawhi and PG and them boys as well, too. Yeah, going crazy. Who do you have winning that game when the NBA season resumes? Um, I think it depends how they decide to approach it because they could – look and see them as a potential matchup and say, hey, we're going to, like, dial back. We don't really need to play LeBron and AD more than, like, the first half and just that in the third because for the eight, for the Lakers, it does become a – I mean, and Lakers and Clippers, it does become a glorified scrimmage game again because they're locked in to where they are. Um, or we could see, you know, uh, uh, head down and get – take care of business and let me make a statement, LeBron James, and we'll get a battle, you know, depending on what the Clips do. So I think it might be a push and pull. It might be kind of like a mind game. I think if both teams say, yo, let's go head to head, cool. I think the Clippers are a little bit more confident in where they are because they might not see as strong as a team in the first round. Or, you know, they might have the road – to the Lakers or to the Western Conference Finals, it's not going to be as difficult as the road for the Lakers if they do see a Portland, per se. And I think that's might be what it's – you know what, they're going to get Portland. We can kind of dial back. 
you know, or they might say, hey, let's see where we are right now with the two top teams in the conference. Let's treat this like a glorified Western Conference playoff game and see what happens. And then let the rest of the games we can like take off, you know? I think I think you have to treat it like it's a game seven type of situation because like you said, they're trying to win the championship and it's not like we have twenty games. You literally these are essentially your scrimmages because you're going after these eight games, you're going straight into the playoffs as well, too. Um, for that night in particular, I'm gonna go with the Lakers because, okay. like I said, based on these scrimmages that I've seen, they seem like they have their mo- the most of their chemistry intact. And the fact that I don't know if Lou Williams is gonna be back yet. Well, he's yeah. not gonna be back. He's not. It hasn't. Yeah, because of the ten day um, quarantine, and then he's it's two games. Lou, show me the two so games. Lou's not gonna <laughs> Lou's not gonna be back. There's no word on Patrick Beverly. There's no There's no word on Montrez Harrell. So you literally have twenty, forty, about fifty points. Mm-hmm. Missing from your bench as well, too. Um, so I think Doc Rivers and the boys still are going to, you know, try to figure some things out as well, too. So I'm going give to that, give that game to the Lakers as well, too. But I think it's going to still be a dogfight. Um, and, and it's, and it's going to be fun to see, uh, you know, part four before uh, we get into the playoffs. So I'm excited for that as well, too. Now, moving on from that, before we end this uh, segment, not segment episode, our last segment is going to be the regular Season awards, you can agree to disagree. It really doesn't matter. So basically, we as fans, as whatever you want to call it, yeah. everyone thought that you know there's going to be eight after these eight games are played. That's when we're going to get decided on who these awards are going to go to. But earlier in the week, they said scratch that. It's kind of not fair. So what we're going to do is because everyone's not in the bubble as well too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what we're going to do is we're going to have from the start of the season in October up until. The, the, the day that, you know, the NBA got postponed, got shut down or whatever, this is going to be our cutoff for the awards as well, too. So we came up with our little list, and uh, we're going to see uh, if you guys agree or disagree. So yeah. rookie of the year, um, obviously you have Zion Williamson, who has only played about 20 games. But for those small amount of segment, I mean, that small sample size, he averaged 24-7-2 and two and shot 59% from the field as well. And in my mind, you take him off that team, they're not a playoff team. You put him on that team, he was never injured, then they're probably, honestly, a four through seven seed in my opinion as well too. You got John Morant, who 18-7-4, and four, shooting 50% from the field, which is very rare for a rookie that's cold. a point guard that's essentially kind of a combo guard as well too. But we agreed that we're going to go with Ja because he's played more games and he's had his team in that eighth seed all year. And no one in their right mind thought that Memphis was going to be here right now and they have a chance to, uh, you know, go to the playoffs for the first time in a long time since the Mark Gasol and Mike Conley era and Zach Randolph. So uh, we both agreed on that. Moving on to that. Um, coach of the year. Um, who who do you pick for your coach of the year and why? Uh, I'm going Donovan in OKC. Um, just you know, Brody leaving. I mean, you do get one of the best point guards of all time in Chris Paul, but just to keep that system flowing, to be able to work with such a a, a player as Chris Paul, who's going to demand a lot of you as a coach because he has coaching IQ already. Um, and to keep that team middle of the pack Western Conference, and not even middle of the pack, but a strong middle of the pack 
a strong, you know, and, and you're getting Andre Robinson back and stuff like that. And it's really situational basketball. They're winning games that people will argue they shouldn't be winning. Um, I'm going to have to give it to Billy Donovan. That's been Billy Donovan, right? Yeah. And, uh, and OKC and uh, what he's done with that uh, with that team, that group of guys that people really weren't paying too much attention to before the season started. Yeah, um, I was actually shocked you picked that, and that was very under the radar. But I, I, I see where you're coming from, but I'm going to have to disagree with you. I'm going to go with Nick Nurse for the Toronto Raptors. Mm -hmm. You lose arguably a top three player um, and also one of the best perimeter defenders um, in Danny Green, and there's a lot of uncertainty. You know that you know the Raptors are going to compete, but if you would have told me going into this season that they would have a better record than they had last year, yeah. um, I would be like, nah. I don't see it. I saw top four, top five because I thought Boston, Miami, Philadelphia had, you know, a little bit of an advantage. But they've proven that in a Nick Nurse system um, that they can win. And right. I think he's one of the best coaches right now in the East aside from, you know, Boone Hoser and Brad Stevens and um, what's his name? Uh Eric Spolster as well, too. So I'm going to give it to Nick Nurse just because no one really thought that they would still be this dominant of a team um, as well, too. And they've beaten, yeah. I think, almost all the top-tier teams this year at least once. Um, so I'm proud of that. So that's who I'm going with. Who are you voting for your most improved player, Trey? Um, and I'll give you two takes, all right? Uh, my first one, who I think – yeah, no, nope. you just you, gotta go one. You look, you'll agree with. Okay, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna say it, and then I'm gonna give an honorable okay. mention. Okay, okay, which is a strong honorable mention, and honestly, could win the award if you really look at it. But my my pick is Pascal Siakam. Ooh, yep, yep. In Toronto boys, I, I know you you like that. Okay, um, but my and. Just because what, what all, all you said in that last, you know, talking about Nick Nurse and stuff like that, he was the person to step up for them and to keep going. But you have to, have to, have to, with all your heart, give it up for the kid down in Orlando, Markel Fultz, who has been looking like the player we thought he would be in Philly before the arm injury. And dude has just been balling. He's been dunking everything, like extendo clip, extendo arm. You know, he gets to the to the um in the paint he just his athleticism is crazy he's playing he's shooting shots uh really doing very well and um I I see who you got loaded up for you for your pick and I, that's a great pick but I, I had to give an honorable mention to Marco Fultz and go ahead and, and give us your, your strong take on this one yeah um so I was gonna agree with you with that so it could have been him it could have been Devonte Graham mm -hmm. um, T.J. Warren killer uh, Brandon Ingram was on my list as well too. There were so many players who, you know, have just stepped up, but I'm going to have to give it to Bam Adebayo. Um, I mean, first time All-Star this year. He's one of the major reasons why Miami Heat are in the position that they are. Um, you know, if you just go off of last season, you know, he only started 28 out of 82 games. He only averaged eight points, uh, seven rebounds, two assists. And, you know, coming back into now, 16 points, 11 rebounds, five assists. 
Um, he's just been flat out sensational as well too. So um, I'm gonna give it to him because without him, obviously, you know, credit to the coaching staff, credit, 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 credit to the coach, credit to um, you know Jimmy Butler coming there and you know just having that energy rubbed off on everyone as well too. But he's a hard worker, man, um, and I think he's if if if. If Miami goes far in the playoffs, he's going to be the reasons. He's going to be the reason why as well too. So he plays the point very effortlessly too. Like, yeah, yeah he's crazy. he essentially kind of plays it from the first or third quarter, and then Eric Spoelstra's like, "Yo, all right, fourth quarter, Jimmy Iso, give him the ball, let's get it." Um, so it's going to be interesting as well too, and I'm very, very, very high on the Miami Heat as well too. Is he you a Virginia kid? Bam. Yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, let me see. Uh, I believe he is. I think he, he was like Lansdowne or something like that. Is like he from he there? A, he was like around there. And this is this is me. He's got to be a Virginia kid. He got to. Yeah, definitely. Look, no, he's from New Jersey. He's from uh-huh. New Jersey. He's from New Jersey. But, sure, but yeah, with Bam, um, I mean, well, Miami Heat in general, like I said, they're 41 and 24. Uh, they're battling to get at least the third seed right now. And I think they're one of those teams where although – they don't have, quote, unquote, the experience from the Tyler Heroes, the Duncan Robinsons, the Bam Adebayos and whatnot. They still have a veteran presence, one of the best coaches in the East, and they have everything they need at every single position to be successful as well, too. And I think, in my opinion, aside from the Toronto Raptors, I think they'll go up against the the Bucks, the best as well, too. Um, and they've proven in the regular season. Obviously, a lot of people say regular season don't mean nothing, but you kind of see – what you can and can't do, what works and what doesn't work. So um, I'm high on Bam Adebayo being most improved player. Yeah. Um, now moving on from that, who is your sixth man of the year? Um, we both agree, so you can go ahead and, and say why. Sixth man of the year, uh, Montrez Harrell. Um, dude is a catalyst for the Clippers, man. He uh, – does the gritty work, the clean work, anything they need him to be at the time in the uh, Doc Rivers system, which is really a blue collar thing. You go in, get the job done. Montrez Harold at every corner goes in and gets the job done. Uh, compliments players like uh, PG and uh, Kawhi. Kawhi Leonard. Uh, as oh, well, yeah. Think about that. Uh, uh, I, I, I saw his face in my eyes. I just couldn't spit the name out. <laughs> but um, compliments them, and when they go to the bench, is also a force in the paint, uh, in transition, a defense, a de- defensive, a defensive presence. <laughs> and um, yeah, man, uh, gotta give him his kudos where kudos are due. My Travis Harold works hard for the money, and he's getting it. He's really getting it. Yeah, um, I agree with you. Um, you literally took all the words out of my mouth. Obviously, we talked about this before we started recording the show. But, yeah, um, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you could say Lou Williams as well, too. I mean, he's putting up 19 and, and 6 uh, right now. But it's kind of like that LeBron effect. Like, he's, he does it every single year. You kind of also want to see someone else get it. And yeah. what better player than his teammate, you know, to get yeah. it as well, too. So, yeah. um, I think he's going to be a huge – Factor in um, if the Lakers can get if the Clippers can get past the Lakers, um, he's definitely going to have to bring his A game and try to, in his best way, make AD and those boys work for everything as well too. Right. So I agree with you as well. Uh, moving on from that, who is your defensive player of the year? My defensive player of the year, and it might sound like a cop out, but he just. 
I was looking at some stats, and he was just far above the field because I think he was compared to, like, Anthony Davis and whatnot. But I'm going to have to go with uh, Rudy Gobert once again. Um, just, you know, he he is defense. He understands the rotation, the mat, uh, the matchups, the, uh, you know, shifting over when it's time to shift over. He affects a lot more plays than any other player uh, from a, on the defensive end. Block shots are up there. Uh and I can't find the word I'm looking for, but just being involved in, in, in plays, even when he might not be the person guarding the ball, or if he is the person guarding the ball, uh, Rudy Gobert is the just the standalone out left field person for me for a defensive player of the year. Yeah, yeah. Um, honestly, man, it was so hard. Uh, you got Giannis, you got Rudy Gobert, you got Ben Simmons, but I'm gonna have a wild pick and I'm gonna go with Anthony Davis. Um, Obviously, he's anchored by the perimeter defense yeah. and, you know, Danny Green and then also uh, Avery Bradley and those boys as well, too, and Dwight Howard and you got JaVale McGee. But I've seen a lot of Lakers games this year, and a lot of times AD is making these winning plays, you know, and getting them in positions to be successful and, and go on runs as well, too. So um, he's one of those guys as well, too, where he does everything that you mentioned with Rudy Gobert. Um, and one thing I love about AD is that if he needs to and he gets switched, he can guard guards as well, yeah. too. Um, yeah, so, smart IQ. Yeah, smart IQ. So I'm definitely going to go with AD for that one right there. Um, and then last but not least, MVP. Um, so obviously there's been a clash between Giannis and Braun. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, and I'm going to go with him strictly for a couple of things. Hater. One, I mean, this year he's just – he's been flat-out sensational um, as well, too. I, if you would have told me that the Bucks would have the best record in the entire NBA, I, I wouldn't have agreed with you. I, I would think it would have been the Lakers or the Clippers or, or another team as well, too. So for him to go up from 27 to 30 points per game, um, six assists – also, uh, let me see, 14 rebounds, one steal, one block. Um, it's kind of crazy. And then and another thing as well, too, is like he has no other superstar with him. You know yeah. what I'm saying? He has no other superstar with him. And, um, I mean, that's all you really – that's all I really going to have. That's that's my argument right there. No superstar, best record in the league, numbers are astronomical, and he's just ascending at this point as well, too, and has improved in every aspect of his game. And um, – I guess you can. Year uh, seventeen. Plates devil advocate. Go ahead. Been a superstar since he was sixteen years old, from Akron, Ohio, the Wash King, LeBron James, and Skip. Nah. Skip. 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 But um, shout out Uncle. Shout out. Shout out Uncle. But um, yeah, man. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna have to go with the 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 easy pick here and and just the catalyst that makes the team run because you take LeBron James away from any team you see what happens to him but you take LeBron James from this Lakers team with AD even still they might be six or seven seed possibly you know um and, and even not that let's talk to him you know hitting his groove you talk to him that terror he went on right before the season ended it was like yo though. respect the crown like, you know, like real godfather just, you know, just 
put your finger up, and then you got the whole family gone. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's beef? Biggie Smalls type stuff. And he had beef. He had beef with people like you. They're not gonna give him the MVP. Nah. <laughs> but uh really though, like I, I gotta respect the greatness. I gotta bow down to the crown, the IQ, the uh physical ability. But but we, let's take it back to the IQ at 35, year 17, still rocking the way he's rocking, still able to put up double doubles the way he's doing, maybe even triple doubles if he was really, you know, going at it, really wanted to. Um but but just at the snap of a hand, like like Thanos, he's getting it done in every aspect. You know, they'd be like, oh, he's taking these, he's not guarding anybody. Bro, it's a regular season, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's see what he looks like on defense when the playoffs come. And it might be not what years past have seen him from him on defense, but still he's gonna make the right decisions in the right place, I think, to get his team in a spot where they can't win the game at all times. So I got to, you know, bow down, give it up for the King LeBron James for the MVP. No, nah, no. Nah. And I'm not even, like, mm-hmm. I, I see where you're coming from as well, too. Yeah. Um, now, by the, the – it's just funny how everything was going. Like, if if there was no COVID and everything happened, Giannis still is nursing that mm-hmm. <coughs> nursing yeah. that knee injury. Um, and I feel like the Lakers would eventually have caught up to them and – Either had the same record as the Bucks, or um, you know, been a game or two behind as well too. But you, you, I, I was leaning towards LeBron, especially with how the season went, how the season ended, how yeah. he owned Giannis, how he owned Kawhi. You just like, damn, like just have y'all you, forgot, showing you, have why. y'all forgot, yeah. like, are you not entertained? Right? Are you not? So, so like I said, um, I mean, you're right. You take them off that team, they're fighting for the playoff spot right now. Um, you take Giannis off that team, they're probably a seventh or eight seed as well, too. Of course. So, I mean, it's really on – it comes down to your preference. Oh, God. Too. So, I wouldn't be wrong with either pick as well, too. But if we're going over – if we're just cut, having that cutoff for those just those 60 games, then to me, it's a clear pick of Giannis Antetokounmpo. But, ladies and gentlemen, that was episode 87 of the Caesar Show. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure to subscribe on all forms of social media at Sir Caesars, the Caesar Show. Trade XXIV, any last words? Um, no, take care of yourself, protect yourself, protect your energy, protect your household, check on your friends, man. Uh, big ups to your friends, big up to everybody that might be supporting you. If you are alone, feel free to reach out to somebody, anybody, man, because we do care about you. Thank you for tuning in to episode 87 of the Caesar Show. It's all love. And on that note, we out. <laughs>